Hello and welcome, I'm Alexander. And I'm Simon. And we are still knee-deep in tech. We sure is. We are. Are. Sorry. There we have the name for this episode. (laughs) That started out good. Yeah, and it took like 10 seconds. It did. You know, this is the 10th episode. Yes. 1-0. Hooray! That's a milestone. It is. Take it away, man. Yep, so uh, let's start with some creators update again. Even more creators updates, crap. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Um, now it's available for everyone to get if you know how to get it. Uh, there's an upgrade tool you can use to download it and install it straight away. That's the same upgrade tool that's been available yes, since forever, right? it should be. Yes. Right. Uh, so that's one way to get it. You can also get it through TechNet and MSDN accounts if you have those kind of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, for volume licensing customers, it will take a few more weeks to get the ISO if right. you want to upgrade it that way. And Microsoft will start rolling it out on April 11th. Cool. And as far as I can see it, they are calling it Creators Update. But like I said in our last episode, um, this is probably mostly about getting the upgrade process to work as smooth as possible. So a stability upgrade more than anything else. Right. So don't be alarmed if you don't get Creators Update on the day of the release. Because they will probably be very careful when they roll it out to avoid the issues they had with the anniversary update. Right. They are still using telemetry to like see what hardwares will work with it and what hardware won't work with it. So when your hardware is supported and they know it's stable, you will get it. Right. So, so you don't worry. If you don't get it straight away, you will get it eventually, hopefully. Well, it's, that kind of reminds me of... We've been talking a few times over the year uh, about the um, the anniversary update. And my wife's computer didn't get it yep. for nine months. Yep. Which was... In, in my view, fairly weird. But you said, sure, it's it's the way it's going to be. Yeah, probably. Um, and to be fair, I you, you always have the opportunity to install it yourself. And I don't actually don't know how involved the hardware manufacturers are and OEMs are in the process. Because it, it can't only be about if that kind of hardware has been tested in the inside the program before it released right because i guess like most windows insider are quite hardcore fans of windows yeah and there are some hardware models which they won't ever use so it it has to be some kind of combination of oems hardware manufacturers insiders and so on Uh, and i i was listening to windows weekly this week and mario foley apparently uses Acer laptop for some strange reason. Okay. And she haven't received anything for it yet. No. In this case, it's uh, it's an Asus. Um, yeah. And I've had quite a few issues trying to get the anniversary update to actually install. Yeah. Uh, since it told me this is not a supported platform. 
hmm. to begin with. That's oh, what yeah. I asked you the first time. Yep. But then apparently things changed and well, it's humming away now. So yep. it's it's going to be interesting to see where we're going to be at with the creators update. Yeah, and it's interesting that it took so long actually because you aren't supported uh, more than yeah, you are supported for the lifetime of the CB. Right. Yeah. So so it's it's okay, but it was quite a long CB this time. Mm-hmm. Moving on, it will probably be about six months, and they have to roll it out before that, and then it's time to upgrade again. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um. And and speaking about upgrades, I saw that Microsoft has finally revealed what data Windows Ten actually collects. Yes. Did you have time to read it? No, because to be honest, I don't care. Um. I know this is many of you out there don't agree with me. But as I see it, telemetry is what makes Windows work better. I'm sure that Microsoft won't in any way um, mess with my privacy and such. They won't read my private emails and so on. So I don't care that much about it. It's, of course, important to be able to discuss with our customers what they are collecting and why they are. But the insight we are given now, combined with what we know and how it works, tells me that, yeah, they they really need this kind of information. And I urge everyone out there to put their telemetry on, first of all. It's up to you how high you put it on. But, but you can turn it off. You can turn it off complete, completely if you like to, but not from the UI. You have to do some other stuff to make it completely off to like block defender updates and such. Right. But yeah, it, it's great and it's apparently a huge white paper. It's like sixty pages or something. Oh dear. So so it's it's everything you need to know and in really high detail. So I read it, but. I don't really care because I want to send as much telemetry as I possibly can because it will help Microsoft building a better Windows. Fair enough. Yep. But as you say, regardless of what you think about it, yep. you need to know exactly what's going on. Yes. And finally, Microsoft has relented and told us this information. Yeah, and, and in more detail because they have told us this before. Yeah. I've had like Excel sheets explaining that for ages. Okay. In detail, what they do, but now they are more about details. What exactly do we gather from Edge? Right, right. And how do we intend to use it? Fair enough. Yep. Speaking of um, information and data and stuff, I had a um, I had a great Monday actually, which is not usually the <laughs> <No>. case. <laughs> I hopped into That's my first. car and I drove a couple of hours to Eskilstuna where I had the. Great opportunity to talk about Power BI to two our dis- two of our different customers and one session to the, um, the sales guys at yep. our Atea office in, in Eskilstuna. And it was pretty much the same uh, session that I did three times in a row yep. with minor tweaks. But the the gist of it is everybody has a crap load of data. Yeah. And basically no one has a clue what that data is, how to use it, and how to combine it with anything. So the basic premise was, this is Power BI, but it quickly morphed into, it's 12 o'clock, do you have a clue where your data is? Yeah. 
pretty much. And that's generally what happens when I talk Power BI, since in my view, Power BI is just a very small component, how to visualize and in some ways and analyze your, your actually actual data. But it was very interesting to hear the, uh, the different views on data from a couple of different clients, since neither of them were in, in the same business, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, and the first was related to uh, utilities. Yep. And the second was related to cows. Oh. You know, the four-legged variety that goes moo. Yeah, the connected ones. Connected cows, yeah. Connected cows, yeah. yeah. And this specific uh, client has a huge database of, of cows in Sweden. Mm. And that is an excellent uh, venue of... of uh, or should I say smorgasbord? Or smorgasbord. Yeah. It's actually an English word. Yeah, I know it is. It's um, one of the best. It is. And an ombudsman. But that's another story. <laughs> it's a smorgasbord of, of data. And if you start to combine this data with graphical data, weather data, um, elevation, the whole nine yards, it's going to be very interesting to see what um, insights you can get yeah. from it. And I think the combination of data is something we underestimate hugely because we have lots of data and you don't know the value of it until you combine it with something else exactly and you can get data from other sources than inside your organization exactly in this case we were discussing combining their proprietary proprietary data with um, uh, for instance um, price of of uh, land yep or weather, or pretty much anything that, that can be combined with this data. Yep. And they, the, the, the faces they made, going from, wait, what, to, oh dear, to, I want to go home and play with this. <laughs> and that's one of the great things with Power BI, since yep. it's so easy to prototype. Yep. It's so easy to show people, okay, this is what you can do. I can tell you for hours, but you're not going to listen. So I'm just going to show you the small basics. Then they're going to go away, start combining everything from everywhere. Then they're going to come back and say, okay, I need some more help. Yep. So it's, as I told them, it's not a way for me or my company to earn a metric ton of money. No. But it's an enabler. Yep. Um, specifically for the, the company in, in their view. They have access to data, they have access to data analysis, and for me, it's an enabler to get closer to the customer to better understand their um, their data and, and their specific needs. Yeah, in this case, it was the customer. Oh, dear. Moving on. Moving on. Oh, <laughs> Sorry. Uh, from one animal to another. Scorpio. You didn't. I did. You Sorry. Did. Scorpio. And this is an enterprise-focused podcast, so mm -hmm. I'll just touch it briefly. It looks amazing. It's it's insane hardware. And Scorpio is the, the new Xbox. Xbox. Okay. Yeah. So we don't know what the final name will be for it. Right. But it will run circles around PlayStation for it, sure. It's not just an incremental update like no. Xbox Elite. No, or... no, no. Okay. This is something completely new. Completely new. Cool. 
Uh, so it's like octa-core, 16 gigabytes of RAM, uh, insane amount of graphics power. Oh, yeah. One terabyte disk, which I... So, so I, I don't even think it's an SSD, which in a way surprised me a bit. But I, I have an Xbox One S, and I really need the hard drive in that one. So it, the Scorpio won't be cheap, but to put a, like... 512 gigabyte SSD inside it would be very expensive and I actually don't think that the hard hard drive will be the bottleneck anyway right um, it's just it's it would be completely different with a gaming PC of course mm-hmm. but consoles are a bit different uh, and as far as I've read it will be backward compatible with Xbox 360 and Xbox one games. And they will actually benefit from the better hardware. Ooh, that's a first. Yep. Cool. Yep. So that's great. It and is. that's all about Xbox for today. Right. Um, I um, <laughs> I managed to bang my head against the um, the brick wall that is also known as WordPress this morning. <laughs> uh, me and WordPress, we don't get along very well. Th- that's why I still don't understand why you have your own WordPress and don't silence. Yep. Doesn't matter in this case. No, the, the issue that I had was um, getting one of my um, plugins to display code properly. It decided to um, search and replace all my um, brackets, <laughs> for instance. Anyhow, I, I managed to solve that and actually produce a blog post. And it's built on a blog post by Peter van Hove from, from um, Holland. He wrote a blog post almost two years ago about using Azure Automation to run Ola Hallengren's maintenance scripts on SQL Azure databases. And since Azure SQL databases don't have a an, ad, uh, an agent, it's difficult, to say the least, to actually get the, the scripts to, to execute. Um, this blog post was pretty old and it had some issues with it. And then a couple of months ago, Larry Silverman made some changes uh, to the the original script. So I decided to combine the two blog posts and create a new blog post going from zero to hero, so to speak, uh, describing how to set up maintenance jobs with Ola's scripts for Azure SQL Database as it stands today. And apparently this was interesting since my Twitter and my um, statistics, my blog statistics pretty much blew up. Hooray. Yeah, but this is something that I've been thinking about for a long time. And I was going to pretty much tear down Peter's scripts and, and redo them. But as is usually the case on the internet, someone had done the work for me before so big kudos to to peter and to to larry yeah and it's it's useful and i think that's something i guess at least some people don't realize that you still need to have maintenance jobs even if you host your database in azure right very much so and of course there are azure insights as in it's going to tell you if it needs uh, an index but this is not necessarily a correct yeah and b very clever 
and it still won't take care of index maintenance yep. for you. So, yes, it's managed, but it's not managed that much. Yep. And this is, it, it's pretty easy. I mean, just do it already. Yep. And the thing is, one of my customers, uh, they are kind of a sort of a hosting company. So they have one Azure SQL database server. And on that, they have five, six hundred databases. Yep. And they are going to benefit greatly from this automation since uh, the automation can handle adding and removing databases on the fly. Yep. Nice. Which is one of the, the strengths of Ola's original maintenance solution. Yep. Moving back to telemetry, in a way, and Windows. Okay. Yesterday, they released Windows Insider for Business. So, until today, to be a Windows Insider, receiving Insider bills, regardless mm. of what ring, right. you've had to put in your Live ID, your Microsoft account, and sign up as an insider with your private Microsoft account. Right. And that's not very enterprise. So now it's possible to sign up as an organization with your Azure AD account and actually use that to sign up for Windows Insider. Ooh. And that's something that's you, you need to have Windows Insiders in your organization because that's that will be a huge benefit for you in the VAS model. Windows as a service model that we are facing now. And if you can get a few more months of testing using Windows Insiders, that's great. Remember that as a Windows Insider, you allow Microsoft to collect more data than you they can or is allowed to in the regular version of Windows. Right. So they will gather lots of data. So if you are sensitive to that, use Windows Insiders on some of your like test machines and such. But have insiders in your organization, you uh, make them sign up for Windows Insider for Business and use your Azure AD account to become a Windows, Windows Insider for Business. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, and today I believe they uh, are like 10 million Windows Insiders. Holy crap. We don't know if they are active or just signed up. I'm one of those inactive guys. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but still, it's, uh, it's a big crowd now and it will probably be a few more with this because that that enables some good scenarios for organizations to really adopt Windows as a service. Yeah, I, I, I can agree on that one and it's also a great scenario when I can heckle you when your machine doesn't work. Yes. It's um, been known to happen a few times, especially on the Surface Pros. Yeah, and, and the last, not the last latest builds now but when we were away on our course mm -hmm. the builds i received back then were horrible yes they crashed windows hello they crashed my keyboard and i had to roll back i think three or four times to be able to use the surface pro 4 but now it's working great i'm looking forward to the real release um, of creators update to this one since you're running a insider build of the creators update yes cool and I'm very much looking forward to the creator's update as well, since I've had um, a slew of problems with my Pro 3. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting to see if that's been solved. In that case, I'm looking at a great secondary PC. Yeah. Sure. Cool. Speaking of things, that's going to come out and pretty much 
turn everything on its head. I just saw a tweet that said that Connor Cunningham has told people at Secret Bits in London, uh, or is it London? In, in the UK, anyways, that uh, Secret Server VNext, the next version of Secret Server, is going to be released this year. Yeah, I mean, that, that's cool. It is cool, especially since it was a while since, it, it was a fairly short while since 2016 came out. And before that, we had 2014, yeah. and 2012, and 2008. So the the release cadence has gone up, yes, very much so. And the huge thing with uh, SQL Server Vnext is SQL Server Linux, Ooh. and of course yeah. a shitload of, of new improved features and stuff like that. So this is going to turn it, it's going to light a small fire underneath the, the um, posterior of some of my clients that still yep. run 2005 and 2008. Oh, yeah. And and for me as a client guy, this this is normal. I would say that a cadence for one year is slow, but again, servers will, server and server close products will probably still have a slower cadence than Windows and Config Manager, Configuration Manager, which we'll talk about in a minute. But, Okay, we are looking at something like SQL mm-hmm. 2017 mm-hmm. or probably something else, I would imagine. They need to drop the versioning at some point. And that could possibly be released somewhere around Ignite and POS. Yes, it could. It, it, it could would make much. sense. Yeah. Do you believe that we also could see a new version of Windows Server? By then. Like 2016 R2? Kind of. That's an interesting question. And it, it kind of raises another question that I've been asking to, thinking of asking you. Like, we're probably going to see way more diverse data centers in the future. These days, we have a fairly common occurrence. 2012 R2s. That's it. Yeah. One or two old 2008s that nobody talks about. A couple of 2016. Then we do a huge upgrade race and upgrade everything to 2016. Yeah. But having the server products on a tighter release schedule, isn't that going to mean that you would have a more diverse environment, you think? No. I guess it will probably work as Windows. You won't be supported if you are running to to old server versions and that if, if you look at um, rolling cluster updates why do you believe they have in, made that a possible it Be- is possible yes why because you will be a, you you'll probably have to upgrade your windows server each year in a fairly short time that i i would put money on money on that i i agree and i can't see any way around it but i am also going to <laughs> go on a limb and say that quite a few businesses will not appreciate this behavior. With, with that said, they need to change. Yes, because it's, it's going to be... This is the exact same discussion as we're having with Windows client. Right. And, of course, servers are more complicated. They need to be up and running 24-7-365. But I don't see why it shouldn't work in the data center as well. As long as you have 
good software running on top of it. And that's the hard thing because it's, it could be quite expensive to upgrade a client software to support Windows 10 and Windows servicing. Right. But to upgrade a server part, that will be expensive and time consuming. And in some cases, very, very hard. Yeah. But I, I strongly believe that we are going in that direction. And I think we'll see a dropping of the server 2016, SQL 2016, and so on. And them adapting the same naming convention as Config Manager, Windows, and so on. Right. And might also spur the uh, the race towards uh, containerization. Containerization, POS services. Yeah, pretty so much was... anything that decouples from the yeah. server. Yeah. Cool. I agree. Yeah. And speaking of which, we have a new, or fairly new, Config Manager out since like uh, two weeks. Yeah. Uh, 17.03. Right. And that really gives us some new and great features. To see the... In this cadence where we get a new Config Manager every three months or something like that mm-hmm. and to see how much they can squeeze in in each of those new versions it's it's quite extraordinary actually i got to put in a question here and i'm yep. going to stop you in a second what's the quality like i mean if they manage to squeeze in a shitload of features what's the quality like the quality is actually really great they, yes. yeah the upgrade speed of configuration manager sites is enormous wow they, they usually get, like I think, every almost every config manager server out there, which is running the CB version, mm-hmm. gets upgraded in like a few months after release. So I think the, the last one, 17.02, which was the last CB they released, mm-hmm. that was actually, I think it's, it has, has a 60% adoption rate two months after release. Because wow. it's so easy to upgrade. And things actually do work. So, cool. And of course, things break. Sure, sure. Yeah, but, but the quality, I, as I see it, it's much better than many Config Manager admins expected. And it's so easy to upgrade. But still, you need to do a database backup and restore test before a test DB upgrade. They usually do diligence, yeah. right? even though the upgrade process is really smooth, really easy, and in 99.9999% of the times work great. Kind of. Kind of, yeah. Right. Anyhow. Yeah, so I would like to just point out a few things. The biggest thing in 17.3 is by far the ability to convert from BIOS to UEFI during an in-place upgrade. And that's huge. It is, and very, very welcome. Yeah, because that that will enable uh, upgrade scenarios which we never have seen them before. Like, you can actually, in theory, take your new creators update ISO, put it in Config Manager, and just upgrade every single Windows 7 and Windows 8 machine you have. Yeah. So, that that's just great. I think the word you're looking for is awesome. Awesome. Yes. Uh, and something that many of our customers have requested, at least in education. We now have Wit Intune in combination with Config Manager 
a lot better support for Apple VPP, so Volume Purchase Program. Mm. So finally, we can have education and business, and not just business, cool. VPP. Uh, we can have several tokens, which is great. We have device licensing and so on. So we can actually push volume purchased apps to a device instead of a user. Oh, yes. Yes, and that's great. Um, the thing is, and this is very a, a very Swedish problem or problem, we actually have uh, our government saying that during 2018, every single student should have a device of their own. That, that's something that is happening. We won't have any shared devices now during the next year. I'm getting old. Yes. So so we have had issues where we have had to deploy apps to devices because we have had shared devices. Right. And that will solve itself now so we can manage shared devices. And next year we won't have any shared devices. Well, I, but I, it, I would... it's still... it's. I, very important upgrade. Many of our customers have been asking for it and it will be great to see how it works. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Especially in combination with uh, Inching for Education. Right. Which I'm actually a member of the TAP program, program for now. Oh, now you tell me. Yes. Windows and Inching. Cool. Yep. So that kind of brings us to um, pretty much the end. Yes. We are right on time. We are right on time. And as I, as we started out with, this is the 10th episode. We've been doing this for 10 times. It might not sound very much, but it started out as a figment of your imagination. Yes. And here we are with a working, workable pod. Yes. It's, it's been cool. a pleasure so far. It has. And, um, well, see you next week. Have Bye. a good one.